prayer. And um, as I said last week, there are different kinds of prayer, but in its most um, basic form, uh, prayer is a conversation where the, the life of God and our life uh, meet. There is this uh, collision between heaven and earth, this connection between God and humanity. And prayer is simply the medium uh, we use to converse with God. And I wonder whether sometimes that word prayer actually is a, a stumbling block for us because it has, I guess, religious connotations. And I do wonder whether we should just say that prayer is talking or conversing, conversing uh, with God. Jesus um, knew the importance of prayer. And as you uh, go through the Gospels and you observe his uh, ministry, you will see that Jesus actually went from prayer event to prayer event. And between each one of those prayer events, um, he would, um, he would uh, heal people, there would be uh, uh, miracles would occur, he would bring profound teaching to people's lives that would, that would set them free. And um, that what Jesus did is that his life and ministry uh, to people was an overflow of the connection of overflow of the connection of the relationship that that Jesus uh, enjoyed with God the Father. And I'm just going to give you a little snapshot of uh, the prayer life of Jesus. So these are just some of the characteristics of of uh, Jesus as a person of prayer. Uh, firstly, Jesus prayed alone. It says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So he was by himself and he would go and, and um, engage with his father. It says that uh, in Luke 9.28 that Jesus prayed with others. So not just by himself, not just in isolation, but there were times where Jesus uh, gathered uh, his disciples, Peter, John and James, and they went up onto a mountain to uh, pray, which is good, isn't it? It's good to gather together. I noticed a couple of guys this morning came in early and they prayed, which is fantastic. Also, Jesus not only prayed for himself, but he prayed for others. In John 17, verse 9, we read that uh, Jesus uh, said, I pray for them, that's his disciples, and that includes us. So Jesus has prayed for you. Isn't that good? And he says, I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Um, Jesus prayed for lengthy periods. Uh, in Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, it says, Jesus spent the night praying to God. I must admit, I've never spent a night praying. Um, but it's, it kind of makes me wonder, here is Jesus, the Son of God, who sees the need for, to connect with the Father. And um, that inspires me and it challenges me. Um, Jesus prayed regularly. Uh, it says that Jesus often, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And then Jesus pay, prayed passionately. In Hebrews 5 and verse 7, it says, During uh, the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. When Jesus prayed, there was some, some, um, some 
passion there. There was uh, an emotional um, engagement. Jesus wasn't just going through a routine or a lifeless ritual, but Jesus was engaged emotionally. In, in James chapter 5, it says that the, um, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. So it's the effective, fervent prayer. That, and that word there, fervent, is this red, hot, passionate kind of prayer. And so because um, the disciples saw Jesus at prayer and they saw and witnessed the impact that his prayers had, um, his disciples came to him one day and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Jesus, we want to pray like you. Help us to pray effectively. And this was his response. And Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses or our debts or our sins as we forgive those um, who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Jesus taught what we call today the Lord's Prayer. I, I think in reality it should actually be called um, the Disciples' Prayer. I don't think that Jesus personally prayed this prayer, but he gave this prayer as a gift to us, to help us pray. And so Christians of, uh, of every denomination, throughout every, every age and on every continent, have been praying this prayer ever since. It's the model prayer. And uh, John, John Pittard, where are you? John, John's going to share, we were just chatting the other night, uh, about, um, about the Lord's Prayer. And John just had a couple of comments to make about the role the Lord's Prayer has played in his life. It was an interesting discussion and it brought back uh, memories for me. Um, it's a short story and I'll skip over quite a bit of the detail. Um, but in essence, I began uh, life as a child uh, immersed in the Anglican church. My father was an um, elder or I think part of the vestry. Uh, Mum was uh, involved in the ladies group and all of those things. I became an altar boy. I was in the choir. I picked up a few shillings on Saturday, singing at weddings and those sorts of things. But like a lot of other people, um, I got immersed in sport when I was about 15 and it consumed me. It became my passion, it became my focus, it became everything. Um, and the more successful I became, the more involved uh, and absorbing um, the whole thing uh, became for me. Um, and in a number of sports, reaching Victorian and Australian levels and all of those sorts of things, surrounded by hundreds of people, but along the journey, um, found that I was getting lonelier and lonelier until I got to the point where um, I really didn't have anyone close in my life. Uh, my first marriage ended. Uh, my father and I, uh, my family and I probably were distanced. I was living hundreds of, well, a hundred kilometres away from family and connection and all of those sorts of things. And one night, um, as the loneliness and, and, and the despair and everything reached an absolute um, crescendo for me, I realised I couldn't do it by myself anymore. Um, for all that time, 
Uh, I thought I was in control, I thought I was doing it, and I thought I was successful. Uh, and then I realised that um, there was pretty much nothing there. And so in the middle of the night, uh, around 2am, I realised that I had to connect with God again. I had to get back to a grounding and a platform that would make sense. And so I, I thought I'd open myself and invite God back to me, but there was so much wrong, it was difficult. I didn't know how to really do that. So I thought, the Lord's Prayer, I'll begin with that. And of all the things that I'd done wrong and all of the things that I had done against other people and all of the things that, that I felt guilt about, um, the worst thing that happened was that at that moment, I couldn't recall the words to the Lord's Prayer. And I laid there for hours and hours trying to recall them because as part of my youth, I'd said the Lord's Prayer hundreds of times and it, and it wouldn't come. And in the end, I just had to speak to God and say, please help me. As simple as that. So when we're talking about the Lord's Prayer again, it, it's, it's a... Uh, I went back and I researched, I, I recalled it, I got the hang of it, and I've since learnt the prayers a whole lot more. But for me at that time, uh, that was a bridge, and, and I've never got over the fact that when all else fails, there is the Lord's Prayer. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wonderful. Thank you, John. Thanks, man. I think the great thing about the Lord's Prayer is its um, simplicity. It's actually... Um, short enough to memorise. Um, it actually takes around about 30 seconds um, to, to pray when we repeat it word for word. Um, but it also has incredible breadth and depth to it. Um, and I think this is the genius of the Lord's Prayer for me, is not only can it be uh, repeated uh, in a rote fashion, but I think it also serves as a template for our conversations with God. And we can use it as a guideline for structuring our times with God, which is um, something that I do on a regular basis. And so I've actually structured the Lord's Prayer for myself, and I'm going to share with you how, when I engage with the Lord's Prayer, how I actually pray it through. So the Lord's Prayer, as we said last week, uh, begins with the, the, those two wonderful words, our Father, our, our Daddy, our, our Papa. Um, and this is in reference to God uh, being our parent. And we said last week, uh, we spent the whole uh, of Sunday just looking last week at um, these two words, what it means for God to be our father and for us to be uh, childlike. And uh, I believe that um, what we say when we pray is secondary to the heart with which we pray. And what I believe God is primarily looking for as we approach uh, this place of prayer, God is looking for a heart attitude that is actually childlike. And we said last week very, very briefly, you need to listen to the podcast if you weren't here, but having a childlike attitude in the area of prayer means, um, you know, kids are humble. Um, they're not pretentious. And I think when we come to the place of prayer, we just need to be ourselves. We need to use language that's relevant to us and not religious. We also learned that kids just blurt out whatever's uh, on their mind. And, um, and so I want to say to you, when you pray, don't censor your prayers. Don't be cautious about the way you pray, but just pray 
what comes into your mind. Um, you notice that kids are continually asking for things? Yeah. Um, so don't be afraid to ask and to be uh, persistent. Uh, kids also have a simple trust in their parents' ability to provide. And I think this was something that was really helpful for a number of people. Kids have very short um, uh, concentration spans. And many of us struggle when we go to pray that we find our minds wandering. But that's actually a childlike trait. And so when you pray and you find your mind wandering like I, I do when I pray, I've just learned to relax and just go with wherever my thoughts take me and then I'll come back on track. Because in our human conversations, in our human relationships, we tend to wander, don't you? When you're talking with friends, the conversation meanders and wanders and ends up in all kinds of really interesting places. So we won't spend any time on that this morning, but... The, the, the Lord's Prayer begins with this understanding that God is our parent. Then it goes on to say, um, hallowed be your name. There was a little uh, boy who was talking to his uh, parents about what he'd learned in Sunday school that day. And he said to his, his mom and dad, he said, hey, um, I've learned God's name is Harold. The parents were kind of scratching their head, quite perplexed. And he says, yeah, we were told in Sunday school today that when we pray, we are to say, our Father, who is in heaven, Harold be your name. <laughs> that hallowed is kind of one of those, kind of, uh, almost one of those medieval kind of words. And it just simply means holy. Um, for me, holy is, is Wow. That's what holy, when, I, when I'm in the presence of holiness, it's this kind of this idea of wow or awe or, or, or reverence. And I still remember the first time I ever experienced this wow moment. I was a little tacker around about eight years old and I was at a, a football game, a real football game. You call it soccer. And... Newcastle United, I'm a Newcastle United fan, if you hadn't realised, and they were playing Manchester United. And at that time, there was a football player by the name of George Best, who I... Oh. I still believe he was the best football player the world has ever seen. I even believe he was, he was better than Pelé. He, there was, and I remember, I'm standing... They, they were the days where you'd stand right up close to the, to the edge. There'd be 50-something thousand people on the ground. You'd be squashed, squashed in. And there was George Best. He was, he was about two feet away from me. He came over to take a corner. And I was awestruck. I was in the presence of greatness. And I was just overwhelmed. I was awestruck by this man's persona. It just hit me and there was this, this wow uh, kind of factor. I have that with Louise as well, often, <laughs> often. You know, we come, we come to God as our daddy, as our father, but there is this paradox that God is not only our Father, but God is also Creator God. God is the, the source and the giver of life. God is all-powerful and all-knowing. Our God is holy and perfect 
and God is just. So God is not some uh, sugar daddy in the sky who we go to to kind of uh, get blessed. But God is someone that we will ultimately have to stand before one day and give an account of our lives to. And that ought to inspire us with a sense of reverence and respect and awe. And so God is someone who is worthy and deserving of our praise. Hallowed be your name gives us uh, or causes us to bring our focus to God when we pray. So we often come to God with our, uh, our problems and our needs. We've got our shopping list. God, I, 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 need, I need healing. I need a breakthrough in this area in my life. Lord, bless my kids. And all of those things are acceptable and they're fine. They're legitimate. But the Lord's Prayer doesn't begin with us bringing our shopping list to God. It begins with us praising and thanking God for who he is. It's giving God the reverence and the respect as God the creator, as the giver and the source of all life, as the one that we will one day all ultimately stand before and give an account for the way in which we have lived our lives. And so when we come in the Lord's Prayer and we hallowed be your name, it's God, you're just so amazing. You're incredible. You're wonderful. Just so appreciate uh, your perfection. You know, um, just imagine what my marriage would be like if all I did was ask Louise for things. I never took the time to appreciate or honour her or to adore her. Just loving her for who she is, not for what she does. And so by hallowing, by, by praising God, we're giving value to God without anticipating anything in return. Just God, I just love you and adore you for who you are. Then it goes on to say, your kingdom come, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven. You might have picked up the peas here. Um, but we're, when we do this, we're asking for God's purposes to come to pass. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God, let your purposes and your plans, your reign and your rule be established in my life. And I believe that prayer is actually partnering with God and calling for the way things are in heaven to be manifest here on the earth. God wants everything in our lives and on the earth to come into alignment with the way things are in heaven. And we partner with God in this, uh, we, we've, we've taught on the, this principle of shalom, this beautiful Hebrew word of shalom, a world in which nothing is broken and nothing is missing. The kingdom of God is, is when shalom comes, when there is harmony and peace and everything finds its right place. And what we do is when we come into the, to, to pray this, this, uh, this area or this facet of the Lord's Prayer, what we're doing is we're, we're partnering with God and inviting that realm where God is, where everything is 
uh, is perfect and in order and harmonious. We're inviting that to come into our lives or into the lives of the people we love or into the situations that, and circumstances on the planet where we see disorder and chaos. We pray, God, let your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. God, I want your purposes and your plans and your power active in my life. I relinquish my kingdom. I relinquish my will and my purposes and my plans and I submit them to your will and to your kingdom. And that means what we do is where we begin to pray big prayers. We start to pray start to pray big prayers. Because we see areas in our lives or in the lives of the people we love where there there isn't the kingdom hasn't yet come and the will of God hasn't yet been worked out. And and we call this um, intercessory prayer or 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 standing in the gap. There was a time where my, my younger brother, uh, Jason, um, um, had to go for serious uh, surgery. Um, um, he had a, a part of his spleen removed, his ki- kidney removed. Um, there was a whole, bar, a whole bunch of stuff that they, that they did. And um, he was operated on. And I remember the day um, he'd been operated on in the morning time. And that afternoon, we were with um, a, a group of friends um, having, having dinner. And this guy came uh, who was a, a, a friend uh, of a friend. And it turns out he was a surgeon at the same hospital where my brother was operated on. And uh, he was a Christian. And um, we started chatting. So well, my brother was operated on today. And he said, oh, who was the surgeon? I told him. He said, what was your brother's, what's your brother's name? And I told him, he said, oh, yes, I was asked to operate on your brother, but I chose not to because he's actually going to die. It's not worth it. How's that for a bedside manner? I tell you what, my, I nosedived. I nosedived. And my brother um, um, struggled um, to recuperate. And he got infection after infection. And there were twice where I was called up to the hospital. Uh, They said, he's going to die. And uh, you need to be there uh, with him. He becomes skin and bone. And two little little kids at the time. And um, Louise and a friend of ours, Karen. Um, I think God heard them because the neighbours certainly did. (laughs) And he just, my brother said, I'm not going to have any more surgery. They wanted to operate on it. He just said, I can't. I'm, I'm, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. But Louise and Karen began to pray. They began to stand in the gap. And the first time um, he made it through, we got the second call again about a week later or something. And Karen and Louise prayed again. And I've got a brother today because... Lou and a friend of ours said, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in Jason's life as it is in heaven. And let me tell you, uh, we live in this awkward place of the kingdom is now but not yet. And, and so if you've prayed for somebody who's been sick and it, and it hasn't worked out, um, this is not to put you down. There, there is this unexplainable um, mystery as to why sometimes prayer is answered and 
and sometimes it isn't. And I, all I can put it down to is that the kingdom of God, there are moments where it just breaks in and we just get to see a part of the kingdom of God. We get a foretaste of what is yet to come. It's the now, but not yet. Then we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And this is asking um, for God's provision. God, God, I have needs. God, meet my needs. So God, you are my source. You are the giver of good gifts. There were a number of years ago when we were pastoring um, in Newcastle, um, uh, we had run an intern program. We had five, intern, five interns. And uh, it's actually an intern, a church intern program is, uh, is actually slavery. There's another, another word for it. It's legalized uh, slavery. So I had five uh, young people who uh, gave of their time to serve in the life of the church. And uh, one morning, um, we were uh, meeting and we were, gonna, we were ready to pray. And I said to Louise, babe, hey, we're just going to pray. Um, um, do you have any needs that we can pray for? And she says, yes, we need $5,000 today. And uh, we ran a... a, a, a a feeding program, there was, uh, we had about 700 meals a week, breakfast and lunches uh, for people who were marginalised and in need. And we had three full-time chefs and a full-time pastoral care worker. So imagine 700 meals a week that you've got to pay for and then all of the staffing kind of stuff. It was, it was fly by, your, by the seat of your pants and our, uh, our chef, Nikki, she could do amazing things with sausages. I didn't realise you could do that many things with sausages. But um, listen, we need five grand today. We've got bills, we've got to pay. So come on, guys, let's pray. So we started to pray, God... We literally needed bread. You know, we kind of we need bread. Give us today our daily bread. We want to feed these people that 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 are desperate and in need. And God, we're just looking to you. God, would you come through? Would you give us five thousand dollars? We're busy praying, and uh, my office had a, a window there, and she taps on the window, and she holds up. And I think, what's that? And I go over, and it's a check. And I looked at the check. It was from. Um, it was. Uh, we had. We had a. a we released uh, praise and worship albums. We had a recording studio. And we got a royalty check from the distribution company. We, they'd only come very, very occasionally. And there was this royalty check. So you, you could sense the faith rise in the room as we were on our way to praying in $5,000. The next thing is uh, Louise knocks on the door and says... Um, Somebody's just come in who hasn't given for quite a period of time and they just felt convicted and they felt prompted to bring in, was it a, a month or two? Or It was about $2,000. They hadn't given for a period of time and they just felt convicted that today they had to come in and bring their tithe. By the end of that day, it was $4,997 had come in. And Louise said, well, I'll throw in the $3. <laughs> God, give us this day our daily bread. Then it goes on to say, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And this is asking God to pardon us. 
You see, what the Lord's Prayer does when we kind of pray it through as a, as a, as a, as a structured thing is it pushes us into a time of, of self-reflection and it, and it calls us to take a stock take of our lives. In 1 John chapter 1, and verses 8 and verse 10, it says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves. We're self-deceived and not living in the truth. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. You know, in that place of praise when we hallow the name of God, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're recognizing the goodness and the kindness and the grace and the mercy uh, and the justice, all of those wonderful attributes of God. And those things become like a bit of a mirror for us because we realize that actually we're not always kind. And while God is always good, we're not always good. And while God is perfect, we are imperfect. And that time of prayer, what it does is it exposes our flaws. And that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. When we go into the place of prayer and we say, Father, forgive us our sins. And we feel convicted and we feel challenged about the imperfections and flaws in our lives. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. When that kind of little voice comes and says, you know when you spoke to that person today, you were, you were not coming from the right place. There was a harshness there in your spirit when you were communicating to that person. And you need to go and apologize. This is what God says to Louise. I'm just telling you what she's told me. Um, you see, what, what the Lord's Prayer does is it, 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 it gives us room for growth. It reminds us that we all need to grow, that it keeps us in this place of humility. And there are times where in that place of God, um, forgive us our sins or our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. There is a, something therapeutic can happen because what it does is it gives God an opportunity to remove those blockages, to, to pull out of us those things that stop us from being like our dad. And you know, some of us in this room today are carrying guilt and shame. And that guilt and shame could be resolved if you just went to God and said, Father, Forgive me my trespasses. I'm really sorry. Work on my heart and change me so that I become more like you. You know, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, which was sandwiched, this is amazing, this is, verse 9 is sandwiched between verse 8 and verse 10 that we just read. It says, if we confess our sins to God, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, confession is not for God's sake. Confession is for our sake. We get pardoned. We get freed up. The stuff that we're carrying, we kind of can shake loose from. Now, this is the sobering thing about, about the Lord's Prayer, is it actually reminds us that our forgiveness is contingent on us forgiving others. Because straight after that Lord's Prayer, Jesus continues on to say, goes on to say, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But 
If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whoa. That's scary stuff. We're dealing with a holy God here. But it's good because it reminds us of what's really, really important in life. And forgiveness is so important. And then finally, the Lord's Prayer closes with, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And this is asking for God's protection. You know, we need to be reminded that that life is a battle. There are things that we um, have to contend against, and there are things that we have to contend for. There are forces at work within each one of our lives and there are forces at work within our world that want to trip us up, that want to hinder us, that want to, want to stop us. Jesus said in John chapter 10, he says that the things that come, the thief comes um, to kill, to steal and destroy. There are forces at work actively operating in every one of our lives to limit us, to stop us from becoming um, containers and, um, and um, givers of the abundant life that Jesus came to give. Now, it says there, lead us not into temptation. And to tempt is to entice someone to stray. It's kind of just putting out a little bait there just to kind of draw us away. And there are things that are within us and things that are external to us that want us, I want to draw us away from God's, what God's best. So where does this temptation come from? James, uh, in chapter 1, verses 13 to 14, says, When a person is tempted, they should never say, God is tempting me, because God cannot be tempted by evil, and God doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted by their own evil desires. And these desires lead them on and drag them away. So what is it that leads us into temptation or what is it that pulls us? It's our own evil desires, our own heart. There are things within us that want to draw us away, drag us away from God's purpose and plan for our lives. Then also in Mark chapter 1 and verse 13, it says that when Jesus was in the desert 40 days, Satan tempted him. And we've looked at this um, person, Satan, and kind of the, the, the origins of that. And um, it's quite fascinating. There's a, a podcast on that as well. Um, so regardless of where the temptation comes from, whether it's from within or whether it's external, there are forces at work that want to limit your life and trip you up. And we can pray, God, help me. God, uh, protect me. God, deliver me. God, empower me to resist. You know, regardless of where the pressure to stray comes from, there is good news. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, Jesus has been tempted in every way. Say every way. Every way. You think of the temptation that you faced this week, and you're not alive if you haven't been tempted. Okay? There is not a temptation that any of us have faced this week that 
in some way Jesus cannot relate to. Jesus has been tempted in every way, just as we are, but he did not sin. He didn't give in to that temptation. Then in Hebrews 2.18, it says, Jesus himself suffered when he was tempted. Now he is able to help others who are being tempted. I love that. Isn't that so good? Jesus, no, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to have lustful thoughts. It's what we do with those lustful thoughts is the issue. It's not a sin to be tempted to tell a lie. It's not a sin to feel angry. It says, in your, in your anger, do not sin. There's nothing wrong with being tempted. You're, you're a human being if you're tempted, if you feel the pull of something within you drawing you to do the wrong thing. It's just, you're just, just a human being. But the great thing is we've got a helper, Jesus, who understands. And when we come to the Lord's Prayer, we can say, Oh, Jesus, deliver me. Protect me. Watch over me. Give me the strength, the capacity to resist and to say no. I want to um, challenge us all this week to... Um, Make priority a prayer a priority. Um, I want to suggest that you might want to use what, what, the, 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 the Lord's Prayer, like I've done, as a template for you. You might have your own kind of rhythm of prayer. Um, but if you don't, can I suggest that you might want to think through using this as a framework for your prayer life? And even if it's just praying the Lord's Prayer, wrote word for word, 30 seconds, and you don't or you rarely engage with God, do that. Just do that. Because I want the life of God manifest and operating in our lives, and this is a catalyst for that. Take these different um, elements that Jesus outlines and pray them through. And you know what? Sometimes you'll find yourself um, just in that place of prayer where you're acknowledging God as, as your parent, as your, as your loving parent, and that's all you do. There are times where uh, you might just spend your time praising and calling God Harold. Other times you're going to lead, um, uh, lean into, God, into, into, into prayer and you'll, you'll intercede, you'll be calling forth the purposes and the plans of God and the power of God for your life or for your family or for our community. There'll be times where you'll pray and the focus is on provision because, you know, the bank balance is looking a little bit depleted and you've just got needs and, and, and that becomes your focus. And then there'll be occasions where you just need pardon and you'll, spend, you'll, you'll run through the Lord's Prayer and then you'll come to forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. We just get, we know that's the touchstone for us. And then there'll be moments when you're feeling the heat and the pressure of life 
those desires on the inside of those external forces that are trying to lead you astray and you'll just say, God, I need you. Jesus, protect me. Help me. You understand what I'm going through. Come to my aid. Be my source of strength. So can we finish by standing and we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. All right. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, let's uh, praise and uh, set our focus on the holiness of God as we close our service this morning.